This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. It's good to talk to you guys again. I think that the week between episodes uh, that we are now ending, as you're listening to this, is close to the longest we've gone without a podcast, uh, maybe in the last couple years here. So was uh, good to maybe step away for a second, but you know, Brendan and I, we can't resist uh, talking Cubs baseball with you, even when there is no Cubs baseball uh, for us all to enjoy or suffer through, depending on uh, your viewpoint. More, more so suffer. Yeah, but we are coming to you on a Thursday evening. It's about 1030 in Chicago. And Brendan, the temperature has dropped in Chicago uh, it was a bit of a, a frigid evening tonight, and, you know, that is in contrast to the Chicago Cubs, who, as of us recording this podcast, are a little less chilly this wow. evening. you had that one written down, didn't you? Had that one worked up. Well Not even that done. good, but, you know, well I thought, I thought, all right, you I know, we got to do something there. Thank you. Uh, but... In case that pun was not uh, over the head enough, the Cubs fired Chili Davis. We learned uh, earlier this evening that he would not be back. He had been informed that his time with the Chicago Cubs is over. Uh, So as we kind of speculated in the last podcast, talked about, you know, kind of where we were on that. Uh, Now we can officially look into that and, and, you know, kind of break that down. We only got the report that he will not return. uh, So we have not heard from Joe or Theo or anybody on the decision to relieve Chili Davis of his duties as the hitting coach for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, But that, I think, will be a pretty big focal point of this podcast here This week, uh, we'll look a little bit at the NLCS as Brendan and I prepare for uh, a pretty pretty close to worst case scenario there in the NLCS. Um, Yeah, that is uh, a difficult choice for both of us. As you guys know, uh, you've heard us talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers quite a bit on this podcast, and I think you guys can assume how we feel about the Milwaukee Brewers. So this is uh, not a great choice for us. And then, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about how we're feeling about the the offseason and just the general state of the Cubs uh, now that we are a week removed from the wild card loss, playoff exit, and, you know, I've had a moment to process this all. But, uh, Brendan, I, I have nothing to recap, unfortunately, so I will I will throw it to you. How are you? What's going on? Uh, tell us tell us about your life, Brendan. Wow, uh, 
first off, thanks for asking, Corey. My life is less stressful since the Cubs got eliminated from the playoffs in a weird way, I guess. I'm watching more football. Thank God the Bears are playing well, which, by the way, you can still get tickets to those games. Um, They're readily available. You want to go see Mitch Trubisky play. You can do that. And even with the Bulls coming up and the Blackhawks around the corner as well, you can see all these teams play through SeatGeek. And you know what? Getting these tickets can often be far too complicated. There's hundreds of sites, varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you all know, I always use SeatGeek. Always use it. I used it for the past two years with getting my baseball tickets. I'm going to try to go see the Lakers this year. Being in LA, I know, disgusting, but I'm going to try to go see them. I will be using SeatGeek. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately Identify the best seats that fit your budget. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners, you guys get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CUBSRELATED today. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. And you know what? If you use that SeatGeek promo code CUBSRELATED, tweet at me. Tweet at Corey. It does help us know, you know, who's using this, and it helps everyone else get uh, exposure to use that promo code. But uh, you know what? This Chili Davis firing kind of is a relief to a degree. And I say that not as a condemnation towards Chili Davis, but almost as like, okay, there was a problem based on what the Cubs players said. It aligned with what we saw. It aligned with the data. And hopefully the Cubs can learn from this. The front office can learn from this. Get the right personnel to help these guys develop. So that's where I am. I, I, I do think, like, in a weird way, this offseason could be... Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. But, like, sometimes... As, as Theo put it, like player development's not linear, right? Sometimes you need to fail on this level to truly get the right people in there. And it sucks. Like the, their development was delayed a year back, right? But at the very least, you know, like instituting these extreme philosophies, which is what Chili Davis was. He has an extreme philosophy. Let's not kid ourselves here. Did not work. So that's where I am. I'm, of course, still disappointed with how the development went this year with a few of the guys, but at the same time, I'm relieved, Corey. This this is this is a relief that Chili Davis is no longer the hitting coach, not because it's Chili Davis, but because Theo felt so strongly that this was the solution to the offense. And nine out of ten times, I defer to those guys making those decisions. They know what they're doing. What the player said was scary in terms of how Chili Davis changed their swings, but overall, it's a relief. Yeah, so, and just for clarity, what you're referencing there is, I think it was Dan Bernstein on on Twitter today from 670 The Score, 
uh, who, and with this and something else we'll talk about probably later in the show, uh, always consider the source or just, you know, keep it in the back of your mind to be uh, always skeptical of things. But on the surface, Dan Bernstein and 670 The Score are talking about how you know, they had spoke to people within the Cubs and, and sources that they have uh, that the exit interview process was rather revealing for this decision to uh, move on from Chili Davis and that there had been a lot of opinions expressed that there was too much tinkering and, and just too much change uh, in terms of the hitting philosophy and hitting mechanics. Right, right. Um, and when you're hearing that from a lot of players, you know, again, if the report is to be believed, but it, you know, lines up, I think, with some of the stuff that we've seen and definitely wondered about already, um, you know, that that's definitely a nail in the coffin type thing. We talked about, you know, how, and me specifically, I, I was really on the train of, I just don't know how you, like, re-inspire confidence in this when the offense was, you know, really clearly wearing the burden of, of this last season and its failures. I just, it, it seemed like a ticking time bomb that, you know, how do you re-inspire confidence and how do you not have this be the focal point anytime going forward there's a problem with the offense? You know, if they bring over Bryce Harper and he hits 250 or something like that for the first week of the season, you know, it's going to be Chili Davis nonstop. Right. And that doesn't necessarily make it Chili's fault, you know, or that he's 100% to blame for the offense or anything. Uh, but it just, it felt like a situation that was just too messy for them to to go forward with. And then you hear this, you know, potentially from the players and, you know, it all just kind of lines up to, yeah, you know, this, this sort of seemed uh, like a natural move. And, you know, to your point, Brendan, it, it does, I, I think, in, inspire confidence or at least kind of reaffirm you, you know your belief that Theo is not messing around this offseason because he spoke in that presser in addition to deriding the offense quite a bit and quite candidly yeah. he also spoke about how coaching turnover and a lack of continuity from year to year is also not a good thing so you know if they made this decision they felt that this had to be done and, and you know because he, he did not you know, you don't want to have three hitting coaches in three years. You know, it's like the Bears with Jay Cutler, right? When, you know, they have a different offensive coordinator every five minutes. You can blame Jay Cutler, but at the end of the day, that's not a good situation to put people in. So Mm -hmm. given that Theo admitted that and they fired him anyway and will bring in their third hitting coach in three years unless they find a way to bring John Malley back, uh, you know, that means that they're pretty serious about this and that they – we're comfortable in admitting like, yeah, we, you know, got that higher wrong and we're going to have to suffer the consequences now. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point too, is, and I, I want to carry my words carefully here because I think a lot of fans are going to point the finger at Chili Davis, but you know what, Corey, like that was an intentional effect. That was an intentional hire to change the Cubs players, Theo, Jed, Jason McLeod, and Joel Madden agreed that this was the route to go. Guess what? It didn't work. So this is not saying, oh, Chili Davis sucks, whatever. It didn't work for these team for these for these groups of players. It just didn't work. And they rolled the dice a little bit. The front office rolled the dice a little bit. And to be fair, like everyone was on board. I loved the Chili Davis hire 
when he they first announced it. I really, really liked it because I think at the time I was so interested, and I think a lot of fans too were interested in how you can take these developing guys like Schwarber, like Baez, like Contreras. How do you take them to the next level? And I think it was obvious they all had a whiff issue, right? So the natural solution was to get a guy who can who can kind of bring those traits together and not strike out that much and optimize. It didn't work. It just did not work. It was too extreme for these guys. They were, who knows, like you said, Corey, to, with Bernstein, whether or not those are legitimate quotes or not. But I find it hard to believe that they're not legitimate quotes, that the players themselves did not express confidence in Shelly Davis. They said, like you said, that they just had too much tinkering going on. And that's it. You move on. You eat your curl a little bit. You reevaluate, even as a front office perspective, whether or not that was and will be the direction to go to in bringing in these extreme philosophies. Or, you know, you just hope that a lot of these guys you have, even though they have a whiffing problem, even though they have some some bad, unappealing traits, they'd get it together. At the same time, though, like, even though Shilly Davis, I think the effect around Shilly was not positive, but you saw, like, Hayward rebound. You saw, of course, Javi Baez break out. And you know what? When we were writing about the spring training performances on CubsInCenter.com, we mentioned, like, hey, look, Javi looks different. Look at his batting stance. Look at his approach. It looks a little different. And what that, what did that happen? What did Javi do this year? He broke out. He swung at so many pitches outside the strike zone still, so he didn't really adopt that philosophy per se, but Chile did help him get to that level. So it's not as if this is a complete failure by Chile Davis. To be honest, this is a failure by the front office and Joe Maddon bringing in someone like Chile Davis who just couldn't really reach that general effect for everyone. And that's kind of where I am right now in terms of being relieved because I feel as if there's no more fooling around Corey. These guys are getting older. Schwarber, he's going to be 25. Contreras is approaching 27. KB's going to be 27 soon. There's no more fooling around. Like you kind of know what you have. And Theo said as much. It's time to start evaluating these guys in terms of production and not talent. And I think that's the direction you're going to go this offseason. Right. And I think one response to this move that I've seen quite a bit of that I don't really agree with uh, is that this move is in a way, you know, making Chile the scapegoat for the offense. And I I really disagree disagree with with that that take on this. Uh, Firstly, because I am 99% positive, uh, I can't be for certain, but I'm close to it that Chili Davis is not going to be the only casualty of the 2018 Cubs. What do you mean? By like player personnel or like coaching staff? Okay. I I would think that the rest of the coaching staff returns, though, you know, I did read a report recently that Brandon Hyde, you know, is in consideration for some open jobs. Uh, But I think we're going to see some changes. So I don't I don't necessarily think that this is like uh, get rid of Chile, bring in a new hitting coach, and everything is, you know, hunky-dory now. I think this is just step one. And, you know, because we're not in the player movement portion of the offseason, this is just the only thing that's happened so far. So I, I think for that reason and, and others, I, I don't really see him as a, a scapegoat of anything. Theo talked... 
uh, several times in that press conference, like you just mentioned, Brendan, that everybody was on board with this decision. They, they knew what they were doing. They knew what his philosophy was, and they wanted to bring it over. He also talked about not wanting to sacrifice the power and the ability to take walks, which happened uh, throughout the year and especially in the second half. And that's what I think it is. I don't think it's a scapegoat. I think it's just this did not work and we don't want to go forward with it. It's, It's really that simple. And so I just, yeah, that's just one, I think, particular response to this that I just didn't really agree with. I don't think they're scapegoating Chili Davis. I think that it's sort of what you were just saying, Brennan. Like, it's more of a, the heat is on. The heat is on everybody. Joe Madden has one year left on his contract. And we're switching hitting coaches. They switched pitching coaches last year. And, and you know, Joe again, Madden, we wanted, he was the main guy who wanted to bring Chili in. Like, the, right. That, that so was I don't think like, this is kind not on Joe totally, but this is a, this, this decision may have been driven by Joe Madden's desire to change these guys. And that's well, on And him. it really puts you know, it's not like, like I said, it's not like, okay, Chili's gone, everything's fine. You know, it was totally his fault. It's, it's almost the opposite. It's like, hey guys, Chili's gone. The heat's turned up, right? That's a terrible pun. I didn't mean to do that, but (laughs) like the heat is turned up now. Like you're talking about a manager who has one year left on his contract. You're nearing the point where some of these players are, you know, you're a couple years away from from big decisions in, in terms of their free agency or extensions with them or arbitration raises. Like this is, like you said, Brendan, in the last podcast, it's a real turning point for this organization. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't scary, think they're actually. scapegoating Chile. I think they're saying this was not good enough, and we are going to fix it right now, and maybe take some serious measures to do so. And you know, we'll have to wait until uh, the actual off season when players can move around and free agents are available and stuff to really see that. But I, I don't, I don't think they're scapegoating Chili Davis. I think they're, you know, admitting that the move and the change in philosophy was a mistake and they don't have time with this group and just their expectations to, you know, let it breathe and, and, you know, see how it develops over years and years of, you know, implementing this philosophy. So I think Theo yeah. was very blunt about some of this stuff in the press conference, and it, it spoke more to me. Uh, this is all coming from sort of a sense of urgency and, and, and just not being pleased with what the current status quo is, even though the status quo relative to most baseball teams is very good. Uh, so I just, yeah, that, that was one, one thing I, I wasn't particularly fond of in reading. Like, I don't, they're not scapegoating him. This is, I think, a, a, a small piece and a bigger overhaul that we're about to see. But uh, you know, and then just the other thing is something that I've I said repeatedly about coaches in, in general, that this this does not uh, indicate that they believe or that people were right or anything like that, that this was all Chile's fault. We're never really going to know. Uh, but it's just one of those things where, you know, you you have some down performances across the board. You have so many guys uh, who, you know, their power just disappeared. I, I don't remember who said it on Twitter, but I read a tweet uh, from someone on my timeline today that, you know, like sort of stuck out at me. Like, I I don't want to be sitting around in like mid-August wondering if Wilson Contreras is ever going to hit a home run again, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and like, that's, that's part of it. And that doesn't mean it's all Chili's fault. But when you have 
regression in some of these players across the board. You have a horrible performance in the second half. I mean, they're in the bottom half of basically every major offensive category in the second half of this Major League Baseball season. And you exit the playoffs and lose the division pretty much solely because of your offense in the last, you know, few days of the season. Completely because of the offense. Something's got to give, right? And I mean, this is just, again, I don't think that Chili Davis is going to be the only significant change that we see. You know, we've talked about Manny and Bryce and those things and, you know, maybe moving some of these younger guys. So I think this is just the first step, Uh, but it doesn't mean that this was all Chili Davis's fault or, you know, like you said, that everything he did uh, was negative. I, I, I do... A small bone to pick, though, with with something you said and something I, I've seen around. I, I'm not necessarily interested in hearing that Chili Davis was good for Jason Hayward. Uh, I don't. I don't buy that. Jason Hayward. Okay. So let me. Can I, with can I clarify his own? That? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So here's here's. I know where you're going with this, and I agree with it. And when I even when I said that, I knew that may piss you off. I know Hayward has his own hitting instructor. I know a lot of the changes he worked and implemented were back in January and December before Chili Davis really had an effect, and I get that. What I'm trying to say is it could have been easy for Chili to come in and tell Hayward, you know what, do this, 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 and completely continue that trajectory of changing his philosophy in, in terms of Hayward philosophy. He didn't do that. And you have to admit that they, they did work together. And I know Hayward didn't have a monstrous year, but you know what? He did produce more runs, and that's undeniable. It's not a drastic increase, but he, he was better this year. He's about league average this year. So I guess that was my point, but I, I understand what yeah, you're saying. That, yeah, so I was going to say that, and also, you know, like, look, the guy had a 650 OPS in the second half and looked pretty much identical to the guy that we've seen uh during his first two years to be fair you don't know know how injuries influence that though sure again i understand i just think that when you you know are looking at like javi for example and you know him breaking out okay yeah like i i think you know we can maybe look and and think that chile had a, a a positive impact there in helping uh you know maybe Baez break out um i i don't know i i think that we as a fan base got a little caught up in Hayward being, uh, you know, that bit better in the first half and are kind so, of now so, just conveniently sorry, ignoring I, I that he was terrible in the second half. Yeah, uh, so I but I didn't really want to turn this into a, a bash Hayward thing. I just, I, I think like, I guess my point is, is, is if, if we're giving, you know, if a reason to keep Chili was that Hayward was barely a league <laughs> average hitter this year, I don't think that's a very good case for, uh, <laughs> maintaining Chili Davis. But Brendan, well, I, I'm curious, and I, I don't necessarily have any uh, names jumping off the page at me, but but anybody uh, around the league that, you know, is maybe on your shortlist, or if you don't have any specific names, um, particular philosophies or, or, or things that, you know, maybe you think, okay, now we've kind of seen these two extremes here, right? A a team that strikes out a lot and hits a lot of home runs uh, versus a team that's not striking out as much and, you know, maybe geared more towards uh, making as much contact as possible. Anything that kind of you're, you're, you're looking for as, as we, I guess, enter a a coaching search here early in the off season. Whatever the Red Sox did, 
um, after they got rid of Chili Davis. I, I want that. So well, I don't think J.D. Martinez is going to be a free agent again, but they can well, try. There is, a, there is another free agent out there that does hit a lot of homers. Uh, I think you know who it is. But from an actual coaching perspective, I have no idea. I know they have Andy Haynes, who was in Iowa with uh, John Malley when he was the hitting instructor. So who knows if they even just say, you know what, Andy Haynes, take it over, go from here. To be fair, like he ended up not fixing Schwarber, but he really got him out of his funk in 2017 when he was demoted. So maybe they just go with an internal hire because of that continuity like you were talking about. I would not be surprised there. What I'm looking for, man, if you were to tell me, if you were to ask that question last year, I would have given you an answer that described Chili Davis, and <laughs> I really would have. And it's it's funny what a year makes and what just proof does i guess because uh, at the time even with john malley like these guys were making drastic changes i can pinpoint every single player on this team and what changes they made under john malley and we can go from addison russell's batting stance you can go from kyle schwarber you can go from kb's posture you can go from Wilson Contreras' toe top there's so many ways you can go about looking at how john malley affected the team and I like that. I like that experimentation to a degree. So I was on board with getting Chili Davis in there to kind of shift the philosophy a little bit. And it just didn't work. So I guess now what I'm looking for is just let these guys kind of be themselves. Um, you know, Ian Happ's going to strike out a lot if he's still with the team. Kyle Schwarber, he's going to strike out a lot too. It's just the natural it's a natural course that these guys take in their careers is how they got to this level. I don't know. I think to a degree, Javi Baez broke out because the Cubs, quote unquote, let him be. I don't know if I'm buying that per se. I just, I didn't necessarily see that. The peripherals will suggest that, but I didn't see that. So I guess what I'm looking for kind of is not, not change. It's so hard to make these drastic changes while facing major league pitching every day. I just kind of want these guys to go out there and and not have to worry about film of their mechanics or their approach or, or going out there thinking too much. But I'm not I'm not qualified to, to to make these assumptions or to guess what they want to do or what they should do. I'm not qualified for that. I can just say from watching a team over the years, what has not worked are these extreme philosophies. So what's to fix? Don't have an extreme philosophy, right? That's kind of where I'm leading to right now. Um, but I think ultimately what we're going to see, like I'm, I'm going to be blunt. I, I will be surprised if all of Schwarber, Hap, and Elmora are with the team next year. I'll be surprised. I just, I don't know. I feel as if the, the quote of Theo wanting to evaluate based on production and not talent was basically looking at those three guys, right? Like who else would they be talking about? So I think it's a mix. I think it's changing personnel, but at the same time, kind of owning the fact that this is who you have as a player unit, as a core, and you run with it. And that's okay. It really is okay. I think a lot of the numbers, like the runners in scoring position and the lack of situational hitting that we saw in 2017, and to be fair, even at times during 2016, like that just may come 
as a consequence of all the other good things these guys do. And that runners in scoring position metric that we saw, they were fine last year, guys. They still produced more runs with runners in scoring position than the average team. And it was actually better than 2016. Believe it or not, it was better. Yeah. So I I, I don't know. I mean, no, no necessary names jump out to me or anything like that. Um, kind of what I said before, I, I just want to see these guys not struggling to put up numbers that I think are, you know, reasonable to expect from them. Like I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to see Wilson Contreras struggling to like literally ever hit a ball with authority or hit a home run. Um, you know, so I'm not necessarily in favor of, going back to like, let's just hit as many home runs as possible and, you know, boom or bust. But I, you know, the, the, with this group and just the way everything worked out, the making more contact, you know, spraying the ball all over the field and, you know, not necessarily worrying about the power as much, it it didn't work. So I, I think anything that, um, you know, kind of gets us back to highlighting the the real skills and raw talent of these players I, I think is the way to go. Um, but with that, I do want to transition, I, I suppose, a little bit to another report that came out. Actually, Cor, can I give, can I give one more thought before we do that? Of course. Okay. The thought came to me, and I actually heard a lot of other people talking about this, and it's it's fair. I think over the last three baseball seasons now, and for the better part of 2017, 2018, these guys have split time. Schwarber has not been an everyday player. Same with Almora. Same with Hap. And even in 2017, same with Javi. And I bring that up because Javi was able to fail in 2018 and play the next three to four consecutive games. I bring that up because maybe this, this philosophy of having so much depth and not having everyone play on a daily, consistent basis, maybe that's not the way to go. And I know you and I, over the years, have personally loved that idea of kind of mixing and matching and giving guys days off and not going with a strict, quote-unquote, you know, classic, traditional baseball lineup on a daily basis. Maybe that's not the way to go about doing this. Maybe you need Schwarber to play consistently to fight through these battles so he can develop and adjust faster, right? So that's one of my, my lasting thought is maybe the depth won't be as strong next year, and that might be intentional to boost the development of some of these guys. I think that's possible. I, I do think also, though, that some of these guys did get a pretty fair shake in terms of uh, their playing time and their ability to well, play play you know, consistently over periods of time. Well, I what, think I, that, what I mean you know, by in, that in terms is... of Hap and Almora specifically, I, I think, you know, thinking back just to 2018, they, they, they both went through periods where they were kind of just unplayable, um, you know. But, like, when Al was hot early in the year, Joe didn't shy away from putting him in there, even in some matchups that weren't perfect for him. But I, I do see what you mean, and I think that overall, you know, we have kind of seen that, that reliance on youth and kind of hoping that you can can piece that production together with with in-house options that that you've developed you know is a risky strategy and it might not yield 
daily production, you know, which I think is obviously something that I'm going to address. Well, I mean, you look at Almora, okay? So Almora started the year off basically above league average in almost every offensive category, just general offensive category. He got off the rails in the second half, and he only accumulated 480 plate appearances last year. And that's a lot, don't get me wrong, but it's not your standard 600 that you see from most daily players. And what did that do to Almora? Well, he finished the year with a 305 Woba and 89 WRC+. And so my, my thought process here is that when pitchers adjusted to Almora, which they did in the second half, he didn't play consistently or as much as he did earlier in the year. Like, for example, during Colorado in that May series, uh, when Javi, when basically Al Mago was the leadoff group batting one and two, those guys carry the team. And, and Amora was a significant part of that. I'm not saying you need to play Amora every day, but what I'm saying is like maybe this, this not inconsistent but sporadic playing time is just not promoting these guys development they're not giving them the opportunity to adjust on the fly and yes you may go through these downs and these lows but ultimately maybe that's the way to go i don't know i suppose but i think just as easily you could counter that by saying that you know and we've talked about this with some of these guys before that that sometimes you know if you can get 400 350 solid plate appearances from these guys you know maybe that's the best you can get like i personally i i understand where you're coming from uh, but I don't want Albert Almora getting 600 plate appearances. I think that's nuts. Well, I'm not. Oh, um, I'm not. I'm not. You know. So I, I think it. That. I think it varies. I think it varies player to player. You know. And I think that sometimes, you know, that that's just where guys are, and, and playing them more doesn't necessarily mean that. Yes, they have the time to adjust, and I think you know you want them to have that. But I, I think you can't give that to everybody. I don't think everybody's going to excel in a, in a, in a situation but like that. that but a, I see, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. But isn't that a problem though, that you don't, and this is kind of where I'm coming at. I'm thinking on the fly here and I'm not saying I want to do this and, and trade these guys or whatever, but I think the point is fair, but isn't that a problem that you don't want to give a 600 plate appearances? Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Isn't that is like, it? I mean, I feel like I'm just being honest well, with what I think his production can be. Exactly. I, not everybody has to play every day. What about Schwarber? Are you comfortable with him getting 600? More than Almora. But are you comfortable in general, excluding Almora? It would depend on what the rest of the roster is. I mean, I think when I, I think but the, 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 the problem that we're unearthing here in this conversation is is kind of what the problem with the roster development was this year. And that, you, you know, you had an outfield of guys who, you know, really none of them do you want on the field every day. <sighs> and unfortunately, none of them kind of developed into uh, the type of player where it was like, okay, like, this is set and he's just going to play every day. You know, they, they all had flaws. And I think Joe did a, a pretty good job, all things considered, of managing those flaws and, and, and trying to put them in, in situations to succeed. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sold on any one way to go about this. Of course, I'm thinking out loud, but I, I, the thought came to me is like, it might be a problem if you and I, or just me personally, doesn't want to give Amora 600 plate appearances or they, or I don't want to give Hap 600 plate appearances or even Schwarber. That might be a, pro- that might be a personnel problem. That might be like, we got to stop evaluating in terms of talent and instead in production, like these guys are getting older. And I think 
the reason I brought this up was strictly because of what Baez did this year. This was the first year, Corey, in his career that Baez had over 510 plate appearances. He has 645 this year. And that was sometimes because of injuries to Addy and, and, and what happened, of course, off the field and just injuries to KB and everyone. It, it, it happened. And ultimately, it was for his betterment to some degree. So that's why I brought yeah, it up. So, like, I I, under, I understand what you mean, but Albert Almora is not Javi Baez. Like, I, that's, I don't. That, but that's, I, that's where I'm getting a little confused. But that's with the point where you're I'm making. That's the point I'm making. Like, we know Albert's not Javi Baez right now. Like, <laughs> I guess. But he, makes, but he was never gonna be. He never had half the the tools and and just sort of raw talent that Javi did. Giving both of them well, 600 plate appearances I mean, shouldn't yield the same okay, result well, just because they have time to adjust. Well, Almora is a bad example. We can shift and we can use this example for Schwarber if we wanted to. Like Schwarber has that potential that Javi has. Fourth overall draft pick. Like he, of course he has it. Do you feel comfortable next year giving Schwarber lock it up 600 plate appearances? Again, it would depend on the rest of the roster, but I'm open to it. But I, but I know what you're getting at, and that's, that's that he at, yeah. has not developed against left-handed pitching. I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. I just think it's a, a more nuanced approach to everything to really like unearth the the right system I get here it. for I all get of it. this. Well, like I said, the only reason I brought that up because the Cubs' mo. Over the last three years was, let's play these guys, but let's not do it on a daily basis to kind of protect them, give them the right matchups. But the moment they end up not having that matchup, they get wrecked. And again, I'm I'm not saying I'm, I'm owning to this idea that, you know what, play these guys consistently or daily. I'm just kind of self-reflecting. And I think the front office will do as much in terms of what they're going to do with their personnel. That's 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 really right. All I'm and saying. and I think overall too like what what you're you you and I maybe both are getting at here is that you know you want at the end of the day when you have so much young talent and not all of it or you know several of these guys are not taking big steps forward you do have to look and say okay like a you know what do we need to be doing to to win and and to put the best team on the field but also, if we're going to invest in these guys, how do we make sure we're getting the most out of it and, and continuing to progress them forward? And it yeah. seems like, especially in 2018, that did not happen with pretty much anybody but Javier Baez. So, so I, I, I do understand what you're saying. I think it's just the, the particular examples kind of matter, and they, they sort of change the context of everything. But I do want to... Uh, shift to this other uh, report here because partially because I we're probably going to be litigating the uh, you know Schwarber Hap Almora situation for a good while going forward. So you know stra- strap in for probably Ugh. fifteen more of those conversations <laughs> until they they start making moves uh, in terms of the, you know transactions and stuff. But like I said earlier, always consider the source with. Reports. So we got a report earlier this week uh, from David Kaplan, again, consider the source, where he suggested that Chris Bryant turned down an extension, quote, well north of $200 million. And I believe he would deny it. Uh, I believe that Cap did that and it came out 
suggesting that it was a recent development than when multiple Cubs beat writers and other uh, sources came forward and said, I am not hearing that, and I'm pretty sure that's not true. Cap then kind of backtracked and said, well, I said several months ago, which today he apparently decided means last offseason, potentially, which is a pretty big stretch. Um, but anyway, this was in the news, so we you know, are going to bring it up. But again, given the source and the fact that several people I trust more than David Kaplan, um, including Bruce Levine, Sadev Sharma of The Athletic, and uh, a person that Evan Altman of CubsInsider.com has talked to, uh, all of which I trust very much. Uh, you know, I, I, I just think that the, the timeline of this is not right. And, and when the report came out, it, it made it seem like Chris Bryan basically last week said no to an extension with the Chicago Cubs. And that's how it got translated to different people. And, you know, you just have people reacting to it in that sense. Um, so I'll throw it to you, Brendan, just general thoughts uh, on this particular report. Um, and, you know, maybe trying to figure out exactly where the truth lies in in this particular scenario. I don't think the Cubs have not approached KB on an extension, um, within the last year or two. Uh, this recent report is false. It's a fabrication that's been said as much by multiple people, and you trust other people who are more connected. And nothing against, you know, David Kaplan or whatever. It's a different topic. But when Sahadev or even Ken Rosenthal or a lot of these guys connected directly with Chris Bryant or for Ken Rosenthal, directly connected to Scott Boris... That's when you take the reports as credible. Um, my my thoughts about that is I'm not going to consider that to be a realistic possibility until we get better reports. Of course, I would love the Cubs to extend KB um, under the mindset of he has the the skill set and the portfolio to age well. So just give the man his money. That's my mindset. But at the current point, I... I wouldn't really expect an extension from KB unless you're giving him the Giancarlo Stanton extension. And if that's the case, then maybe we won't even see KB realistically consider that um, in the next year or two in terms of somewhere in the ballpark of that extension. But yeah, Corey, that that report is disingenuous, essentially. Uh, Kaplan said he heard that several months ago, which... Sounds as if you heard that in, you know, August or September or whenever, right? But in reality, he was saying last offseason, which who knows? Who knows what the numbers were? We didn't even hear that the number was close to 200. Who knows what that even means? I'm just not taking that report seriously. Yeah, I mean, basically what I want to make clear here is, like you just said, Brendan, they have definitely talked about this, and we have heard that Bryant and Boris have said no before. That that is not news. But this coming out, and again, part of this seems like it's Cap's fault in terms of the language that he used and the fact that he was currently discussing it on his radio show and kind of transitioning that to... Uh, conversations of like, you know, Bryant's future and and all that, which again implies that it was a recent thing and something that, you know, was a decision based on the current, like 
today's scenario with everything, right? right? And and that's the part that I think we really want to address. Like we knew that they've discussed this before and it has not gotten anywhere. Like that we 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 all knew that, but implying that this was recent would have different implications. If this was last week, like that would have different implications than if he said no, say a month or a few months after winning, you know, the National League MVP. Like it, it's just, it's a very different situation when you, you consider those things, you know? And I think yeah. obviously like, you know, you look at the year he had, he was hurt. He put up, uh, you know, numbers that we have not at all come to expect from him. If the Cubs came to him with a massive extension and he said no after this year, I'm not saying he'd be wrong to say that, but again, it would have a very different implication as for the state of their relationship and and their future going forward if this was two weeks ago versus a year ago or in a different off season. So um, yeah, I'm going to defer uh, to Sahadev on this one. He's around the team every day, um, and they have very strong connections with some of the top people in the industry. Um, and you know, again, nothing against Cap, but Cap is you know, one of those guys who just says, well, my people with the Cubs, that's not good enough, you know? Yeah. I, just because the guys on TV doesn't give him, you know, uh, the the utmost authority or make him infallible and stuff like that. And I'm always going to defer to the beat writers who are in that locker room, who are talking to Theo on a daily basis, who are talking to Joe on a daily basis, and who I am aware have very strong relationships with guys like Scott Boris. So, um, and there's no purpose uh, you know, too. I, here's, I, here's the thing too. Like, there's no yeah. purpose for those individuals connected to the Cubs to disclose that information to David Kaplan. If they want to make an immediate impact, let's say Scott Boris's team wants to make an immediate impact on these negotiations, Corey Scott Boris is not going to go to David Kaplan. He's going to go to he's going to go to some national writer. He's going to go to John Morosi. He's going to go to to Ken Rosenthal. So it's not coming from that camp. And likewise, if the Cubs want to put pressure on Chris Bryant to sign, which who knows, I'd be floored if they were doing this to the media. Again, those guys have a locked seal on what gets out of that front office. They're not going to go to David Kaplan. Okay, they're going to go to guys who are more connected with the team. So that's where I think the issue lies. I'm not saying don't trust David Kaplan, but on situations and rumors on this scale on this level it doesn't make sense that everyone else who are normally connected with the team is not hearing that same information that just doesn't sound as if it's a realistic possibility or a realistic topic of discussion between boris and kb so like i said uh, again uh, just wanted to make clear because this came out and i have seen this confused in many places because Cap was able to give whatever clarification he wanted, that this was several months ago, whatever he said. But when a report like that comes out and it gets disseminated to different outlets, different blogs, different Instagram feeds, etc., it gets boiled down to Chris Bryant rejected the Cubs extend, extension offer. Right. And, and so I, I just want to make sure if you've been reading that and, you know, maybe just read it in passing, just understand, like, I vehemently do not believe that this is something that happened recently, that Cap is alluding to reports that we were already aware of, that in years past, off-seasons past, they have tried 
to get those discussions going, and it didn't really get anywhere. But this is not new news, and this is not something that is uh, necessarily reflective of the current state of things like today. That that's that's all that you know. I I just want to make clear. The other thing, you know, just on this topic, and, and not specifically related to CAP or, or anybody, uh, but we are in that period of the off season, folks, where anytime you hear anything, you have to try to figure out why would this information be out there. You were kind of alluding to it a second ago, Brendan, but anytime you hear this, you have to remember agents will put things out there to get a better deal for their free agent client. You know, we were hearing all sorts of stuff the last off season about, you know, Alex Cobb, you Darvish, this, and half the stuff is just to drum up interest. You know, we hear this, this guy's got interest from X, Y, Z, A, B, C, a thousand different teams, right? And sometimes you got to ask yourself, hmm, who would it behoove if everybody in the world believed this report, right? And that's not to say that it's it's all false, but we just, we are in that period where you always have to read things, and if it's a report, that's what it is. And until it's a fact and until contracts are signed and, you know, deals are struck, you you have to take things with a grain of salt. That's just sort of how the off season goes, you know, and especially going into an off season where you are going to have uh, a few massive contracts and, and, you know, some of the game's best players available in the free agent market, it's, it's going to get, it's going to get messy out there. Like there's, there's probably going to be a lot of reports on a lot of different things. Uh, and, you know, just always good to kind of keep an eye on things. Uh, I would also, you know, point out just for the sake of the conversation we just had. David Kaplan did suggest that Joe Madden was probably going to get fired if they lost that wild card game <laughs> and that did not happen. So again, like I'm just saying like again, yeah, he not said necessarily than anything against Cap. chance. Yeah. He, well, right, and he, it, it got a bunch of clicks, it got a bunch of play and then it doesn't happen. So and you know, then he's able to say, "Well, I only said it was 50-50," right? <laughs> uh again, nothing specifically against Cap, but just sometimes I think that some of the stuff that he says in reports, you know, kind of feel like they're, you know, ratings drivers, you know, and, and trying to drum up conversation. And I don't necessarily blame him, but it, I think it's our duty as people who sit here and talk about the Cubs for an hour, you know, relentlessly to, you know, kind of try to get to the bottom of what the actual truth of the situation is. Yeah. All right, Corey, uh, who you got in the NLCS, or better yet, who would you be more? Ugh, what's the word I'm even looking for here? Like, which team is more palatable, the the Dodgers or the Brewers? Here, what do you want to see? Man, <laughs> I, mean, I good God, yeah. Um, this is I I don't know. I, I've racked <laughs> my brain over this. I can um, give you mine first if that's easier for you. It'll just give me 10 more seconds to, to think about it. But, yeah, hit me with All it. All right. So this is what I want to happen. But but when All you right. tell me, yeah. okay, I, I want you to, to phrase it. You can explain it. But I do want you to phrase it. I, Brendan Miller, am rooting for the No, I can't blank. do that. I want you to say it. All right? I'm I want not, you to feel it. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not rooting for any of these teams. Let me, I'll phrase it this way. <laughs> I would enjoy, I would enjoy the Brewers not playing in a World Series. Okay. 
What does that mean? I would also enjoy the Los Angeles Dodgers not winning the World Series. Do you see? Do you see where I'm going there? So whatever I see, the mental gymnastics yeah, you're doing you, to avoid what I asked you to do. Sometimes that's what you have to do. So yes, that's what I would like to see. I would like the Brewers to not play in the World Series, and I would like the Dodgers to not win the World Series. Because deep down inside, like seeing LA lose back to back World Series would be incredible. Like sign me up for that. See, this is see, this is what you've done is is you've 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 somehow twisted it so that you're I'm not really rooting for the Dodgers. You just want them to lose in the World Series again. But in reality, what I heard and what I think our listeners heard is. My name is Brendan Miller, and I want the Dodgers to win the pennant. Uh, <laughs> all right, your turn. Let's see. Let's see if you can do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I got to be honest with you. I, I think I'm on the same page. Um, you guys have heard us talk. I, to be honest with you, Brendan, I think we've talked more smack about the Los Angeles oh, Dodgers 100%. than any 100%. single person or entity in the world. I, I think that that's number one. If, if it's something else, let us know. But I, I think that's number one. But you guys listen to us, so uh, maybe it's something else. But I, the, the thing that has, has really stuck with me through this process is just how, how much of the Brewers' success feels like the White Sox. And what I mean by that is from be it their official Twitter account, their Instagram account, all of the fans that I've come across on Twitter, everything that happens to the Milwaukee Brewers is only an affront to the Cubs. So they win the division. It's not, yes, we won the division. It's, ha-ha, Cubs, we won the division. <laughs> they, The Cubs lose to the Rockies. It's not, oh, okay, we got to prepare for the Rockies. It's, ha-ha, Cubs, you're not in the playoffs anymore. When they sweep the Rockies, it's not, yes, we're going to play for the pennant. It's, oh, where are the Cubs at? When do they play? Fly the L, ha, ha, ha. So it it just feels so much like an affront, like a personal affront to the Chicago Cubs and their fans. And I just don't get that sense from the Los Angeles Dodgers. I detest them. I detest their fans. Uh, more than than Brewers fans. So say but, it. Say it. But current, you didn't get out of here. <laughs> but currently, you know the Cubs and Dodgers traded blows. We beat them in 2016. We won the World Series. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016, beating the Cleveland Indians in seven games. And the Dodgers beat the Cubs in 2017, and they lost to the Houston Astros in seven games. So. You know, they did their thing. They traded blows for a couple of years, top of the National League, and didn't involve with each other this year. So it's it sort of, you know, it, it, it feels like if they're going to succeed, do it in a year where the Cubs had nothing to do with it. So, it, it, you know, you're not getting over on the Cubs. There's nothing like that. Um, but I think between, again, the, the constant trash talk from the Brewers, again, their official media personalities who I, I swear must be like 14 year olds uh and their fans it just is so directed at the cubs and it's just such a visceral hatred of the chicago cubs um you know and and maybe i considered it a tie 
right, at that point. Like, okay, I hate the Dodgers. I've always hated the Dodgers. I've had terrible experiences there in person. But the Brewers are, you know, mouthing off about the Cubs. Well, what's the tiebreaker, everybody? Do you know what the tiebreaker is, Brendan? I don't know, Corey. What is it? Sure you do. He plays left field. <sighs> so there's so it's many— It's Ryan Braun. The yeah. tiebreaker is Ryan well, Braun. That, that's, that's just how this works. That, that's how I saw it in my mind. I thought it was close— I, I have more of a history of hating the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, more playoff pain caused by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, That's fair, I guess. But the Milwaukee Brewers have Ryan Braun, and the notion of Ryan Braun winning a pennant or a World Series or really just being happy in general for like five minutes, even just in the off season, like if something good happens to him, <laughs> uh, he wins a free taco. I, I don't like it. I don't think it should happen. And anything that that gets there, um, I'm against. So like you, I am uh, probably best case scenario is either the Astros <laughs> or the Red Sox uh, beating the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series. Okay. And I would probably defer to the Red Sox. I'm not super thrilled with some of the things that uh, have gone on with the Houston Astros, namely the uh, closer that they have. Uh but, and the smack they've talked about, like Dallas Keuchel. That's Keuchel, true, right? Dallas Keuchel did mouth off about the Cubs as well. I okay. forgot about so that. I think, yeah, I think, so I, I, I guess I'm rooting for the Red Sox, which I think is we've gross. Decided that. But yeah, that's you know that's okay. Theo still has some of his fingerprints on that team. It's okay, like Mookie Betts, for example. <laughs> um, that's so, that's so, a bit of a stretch, but we'll work <laughs> with that. Sure. So we we can. Well, or, or really, Brendan, we're just hoping for the Red Sox to win the World Series so that then the trend is literally fire Chili Davis, sign a big free agent, win the World Series. It's just how the world That's works. That's how, you know, history repeats itself, Corey. Let's put it right. that way. But right. are we are we confident saying, you and I, we can declare this officially, that the Red Sox are now the team whom we want to win? Is that fair? I, you know, if... Uh, them just outright canceling the rest of the season and leaving the trophy vacant for a year is not an option, then I guess, yeah, that's that's where we're at, apparently. Okay. So there, there, there you go. So the official statement of Corey and me is that we want, or we prefer, or we tolerate, is perhaps a better word, the Boston Red Sox winning the World Series. And if we're being honest here, like, I just prefer a clean sweep from, from the Red Sox over the Dodgers, just... Don't even make it interesting. I don't want to see any happy Dodger fans. I I work with Dodger fans. They're all around me. I don't want to see any happiness elude from their faces during the World Series. I want none of it. Give me a straight sweep. Do 16-to-1 games, whatever you have to do that they did to the Yankees. Get it over with. Done. Can't see it. That sounds nice, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a real mess. Uh, I'll probably watch. I can't help myself. I do watch most of these games. I don't watch them. But I can't. It hurts too much. I, yeah. It really does. That, that NLCS is really just as bad as it gets. That. I mean, you could swap the Cardinals really for either one of them, and it's sort of the same situation. Yeah. But yeah, this is uh, not great. Though, I do want to mention, um, just because we're, we're talking about the rest of the playoffs, I, I you know kind of bring it... Um, to a bit of a more Cubs-related theme uh, on, on this part. Can we talk about, like, the alternate reality that the Cleveland Indians are in from I November... could have been us. ...from November 3rd, 2016 to now? Um, because I, I think it is, you know, especially... We're, you know, the Cubs just fired their hitting coach. We're, you know, spending this whole time talking about who's to blame for the offense, blah, blah, blah. And 
you know, they, they won 95 games. They, they get eliminated in the wild card game. But the Cleveland Indians lose game seven of the World Series. Again, a reminder, the score was 8-7 in 10 innings. The Chicago yeah, Cubs, Cubs won, won the yeah. World Series. Yeah, we'll champs, yeah. um, just for clarity, in yeah. case anybody forgets at any time. Uh, and they have not won a playoff game since. Uh, they had, you know, that pretty miraculous stretch at the end of 2017 where they won, what was it, like 20-something games in a row or something ridiculous like that. whatever it was. Uh, They get bounced by the Yankees, and then they make the playoffs this year. They've got a strong group, and uh, they get knocked out once again uh, unceremoniously. And, you know, even those guys that had kind of carried them, Kluber getting knocked around, Miller getting knocked around, Cody Allen getting knocked around, and it just is a, um, I don't know, I was watching that series when they got eliminated the other day thinking like, yeah, this is one of those moments where you kind of reflect and say things are not bad for the Chicago Cubs <laughs> because it could be a very scary reality where uh, that window is closing and there's no championship, folks. It could have been us. That could have been us. And I don't know if I would have ever been able to recover from that, but uh Thank God, man. Thank God we won that game. That's all I got to say. I stare. I always say this, but I stared Satan right in the eyes that night. When Raji Davis hit that homer, I saw Satan's face right in front of me. I saw it. I conquered it. I got over it. Perhaps one of my biggest fears is losing a game seven in that nature. And you know what? The Cubs won the World Series. The Cubs won that game seven. They won the World Series. They were World Series champs. You got to deal with that. For the Indians, God, man. Like I, I, I feel like a tangible sense of empathy for that team Ugh, terrible yeah kind of i mean screw them too honestly <laughs> but <laughs> all right uh, yeah so man but yeah the the nlcs starting up on friday night and we get to see the brewers throw a bunch of clowns on the starting uh on their starting pitching mound and uh somehow win games so uh, but yeah, they've still yet to lose. So, you know, when we were talking about if the Brewers keep this up, et cetera, uh, that feels like ages ago and they still haven't lost. So, uh, I guess kudos to them for that. But, uh, Brendan, any, anything else? Uh, where, where are you here? You know, where we've got, uh, you know, we're still in not even at mid October yet. So we've still got a bit of time to wait, but, uh, any, any, any changes in your feelings of things as we're, you know, a week removed from the Cubs being eliminated? Uh, no. are, you, are you, like, dying to get to the Manny Machado-Bryce Harper point of, of this offseason not... yet? Or are you kind of enjoying the, the stresslessness period here? I will f- well, I'm never not panicking over this team, so I wouldn't say it's stressless to a degree. It kind of is, but I... I mean, you're not going to want to hear this. I'm just going to be honest with you. But it like this offseason scares the hell out of me. Like this is going to be a weird offseason. It's for for a while, even when they won the World Series, you could look forward to these guys developing and taking the next step because they were 23, 24. They don't have that luxury anymore. They're getting older. Like they're reaching their peaks uh, in terms of when guys usually peak at certain ages. So I'm kind of scared. Like that's where I am. Um, I'm still confident. Like I'm confident in the front office. Although what happened last year is it it kind of puts things into perspective that even you know some of these guys in in, in the front office are not infallible either. Um, 
so that's kind of where I am. Ultimately, I'm extremely confident in this group of players. I'm extremely confident in the Cubs pitching next year. They're going to bring back the majority of their rotation. I'd be surprised if Cole Hamels is not back. But that's where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared because I know like this team may not look like it did in 2018 come spring training. And that could be a good thing, but at the same time, it could be a scary thing because a lot of the reasons that we remained optimistic was because they had this youth on their side. And we're getting to a point where, like, yes, youth technically is on their side, but it's not the, to the same degree. So that's where I'm at. That probably was <laughs> extremely uh, discouraging there, but hopefully you can find some encouragement in that. I, I do like that you kind of pretended at the beginning that the Cubs not playing, you know, you, you didn't have to be all stressed out. And then by the end of the show, you're like, well, this off season makes me really nervous. I think our audience and I know you better than to think that any period of the year you're, you're calm during. I think everybody knows that's a lie. Uh, they could have the whole roster built. You could be totally comfortable with it. And then you'd watch Bryce Harper getting into a hot tub on his Instagram story and think, oh, that floor could be really slippery, Corey. I don't know. What if he gets hurt? Just don't burn yourself, man. That water could be hot. (laughs) God. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I haven't really changed that much. I I wasn't really that overly freaked out. I think when they got eliminated, I was just disappointed. Um, but I'm... I'm ready for it. I think those those kinds of big off seasons, exciting moves, turnover, stuff like that. I think it's exciting, and you know sometimes it's nice to just be comfortable in that roster. You make a couple things, and you know you just kind of see what happens. But you know every now and again, it's uh, sometimes fun to shake things up a little bit, get some new blood in there. Um, you know, and and really kind of you know, maybe change the change the course of the organization. But yeah. I think. Uh, I think that's probably all we have for you this week. It was uh in for us from a content perspective was kind of nice for the Cubs to fire Chili Davis cuz otherwise I'm not really sure what we would have talked about for an hour. Um so, you know, look, Chili loses, we win, you know, there there's a winner and loser in everything. Uh I guess. Thanks, Chili. But I think I think that was a a good discussion. It's it's one that I still see raging on on Twitter, you know, as to uh who is to blame for all of this and what firing Chile says and, and uh, whether it was the right decision, wrong decision. And, uh, and I think it's a conversation that'll continue and, you know, ultimately one that we may not ever really be able to pinpoint the exact answer on, but it is something that happened. The Cubs made that decision and, uh, you know, we'll have to proceed forward, uh, you know, with whatever they decide to do and whoever they decide to bring in to mold and craft this offense uh, over the course of the offseason and into next year. As far as our schedule goes, uh, I think we will come to you, uh, like I said, as often as it feels like there is uh, stuff worthwhile, you know, to to ask you guys to listen to. You know, we we don't want to waste your guys' time. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily expect uh just once a week it'll kind you know it'll depend on how this off season goes uh but we do like coming to you guys uh so uh, not necessarily positive but unlike during the season just be a little flexible with us you know i think we'll try to uh we do like getting episodes out from monday morning uh, you know i think that's a good time uh but this period of the year is obviously so much more driven by 
random news drops rather than, uh, you know, previewing and, and recapping series. So it's a little harder for us to keep an exact schedule. But, you know, we know you guys, uh, you know, it, it, it's better for everybody if there's a little consistency. So we'll try to figure that out and, and, and report back to you guys. But uh, just stick with us for now. Um, we're going to try to get on a normal schedule, give you, give you guys uh, something to look forward to. Uh, rather than just randomly dropping, but again, it you know is sometimes dictated by the schedule and you know how things change. You know, like last week, what did we do? Two episodes yeah. in a two day span. So I think you know three, sometimes actually. that's just how it is. But <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but we'll 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 try to to figure it out and and not necessarily just have it be uh, so random. But I think that's that's all we have uh, for. This episode, uh, as always, uh, we thank you guys for listening. This has been the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. You can find us on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play. We are available on Spotify now if you are a Spotify user. And as always, uh, you can find us on Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, which took the place of blog talk. Radio. We do continue to read your feedback and see those iTunes reviews coming in. And as always, they are very much appreciated. Uh, when we do get feedback, constructive feedback, uh, we do talk about it. You know, we've had we've had feedback several times that Brendan and I will uh, get on the horn together and you know kind of go over and see if there's stuff that we can do. So anything you guys are thinking um, or would like to hear, and 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 again, especially as we head into the off season, uh, what do you guys prefer from a scheduling perspective uh anything you'd like us to be talking about if there's downtime you know stuff that uh you know maybe might be entertaining or you guys might look forward to hearing about uh if there isn't you know specific cubs news or uh specific things that that we can dial into uh we we always listen to that and again we always appreciate uh the positive reviews and uh, star ratings on iTunes. That is very nice of you guys, and it is not lost on us that you guys take the time to do that. Uh, again, stick with us at Cubs Related on Twitter and Instagram. I am at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. We'll try to uh, keep you guys updated on the schedule going forward. Uh, I don't think I mentioned his name during this podcast, so I just want to say hi to John Lester. Um, he's still a Cub, and that makes me very happy. <laughs> Uh, he's great. I was looking at a GIF of his beard this uh, this morning. Not something I think we really got an opportunity to fully appreciate. He was, you know, sort of growing that Arietta, I'm going to dominate you beard, uh, fear the beard, if you will. So, uh, yeah, I know it's at the end of the podcast, but John Lester's great. Uh, I appreciate him as a person and as a baseball player, and uh, I don't feel like going a whole episode without mentioning him. But other than that, uh, that's all we have. We thank you for listening. We will talk to you guys soon. And as always, go Cubs. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.